0: Psalm 119, and we come to the section verses 145 to 152. This is the Kof section, the 19th Hebrew letter, and it can have the meaning of monkey or ape. What is a monkey? Well, a monkey, as you know, is an animal. It is completely animal, it's not human. However, while it is an animal and it belongs to the animal kingdom, it is the animal that has the nearest likeness to man. In fact, the monkey endeavors to mimic man. You've heard the saying, monkey sees, monkey does. You've heard the saying, to ape someone. To ape is to mimic, to imitate, to copy. And well, of course, the monkey is only a beast, and their imitating of man is useless and powerless. But on the other hand, man is different. He's not a beast, and he shouldn't behave like a beast. But a man made in the image of God, through grace, has the ability to imitate God, to be like God. And so Christians ought to rise. Arise above the beastly nature. Arise above the animal nature, above the flesh. And arise to holiness of life. To likeness of God. To ascend. To imitate the Lord. David on one occasion said, and it wasn't a commendable thing that he said. It was a confession of his sin. He said, I was as a beast before thee. I behaved like an animal. And of course that ought not to be so, brethren and sisters. We ought not to imitate the animals. We ought not to follow the beast-like nature. We ought to rise, sin. To be like the Lord. This is the only Hebrew letter. Cuff, That extends below the line. It's very noticeable. Part of the letter goes lower. Than all the other letters. It's a low letter. And that's not where we should be. And yet it also. Has a numerical value of 100. So there is something. That is complete and perfect. About it too. Indicates holiness. Indicates rising from the lowliness. Ascending to the holiness. To the likeness of God. It is actually the first letter of the word holy. It seems almost a contradictory letter then in some respects. With opposite meanings. Lowly. Monkey. Beastly. And yet... Ascending to heights and to holiness through grace. And this is the letter that, that indicates what God's people should be. That God has lifted us up from the dunghill. And therefore, we shouldn't live in the dunghill, we should rise. What did the Lord say? us. Be ye holy for I am holy. He said be followers of me. Imitate me. We read the parable of the unmerciful servant. That parable is in three parts. And in the first part the Lord forgives a servant who was in immense debt to him. He owed him a fortune. But he pleaded for mercy. And the Lord had mercy upon him because the Lord is gracious and merciful. And even though our sins are many, he abundantly pardons them all graciously and mercifully. That's how the Lord behaves. That's what the Lord is like. He's full of mercy. But then this forgiven servant He went out and met a fellow servant who owed him just a pittance. Just very little really. And that man asked for the same patience of mercy. But that servant didn't behave like the Lord. He behaved like a beast. He behaved like an animal. He didn't imitate the one who was gracious and merciful to him. He was harsh and hard. And he took him away to the prison. And he was cruel and beastly towards him. And then the third part is that beastly servant. He was judged by his Lord for his unmercifulness. And this section that we're in this morning is a reminder to us that we should not behave like animals or beasts. Lacking grace. But that we should behave like the Lord. That we should ascend to live like the Master. Well, how does David go about that? How does he seek to be like the Lord? What are the keys in the holiness of life for him? And that's what we want to look at this morning the two keys, the two spiritual disciplines that are necessary to likeness to God, the two spiritual disciplines that we want to put into practice in the year that is ahead. Now, we see in verse 1 at the very start both these disciplines referred to there's prayer. I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. There's also then this attitude to God's commandments, to God's word. I will keep thy statutes. These are the spiritual disciplines. Prayer is essential. Crying unto God. As is keeping God's word those who want to live the godly life, those who want to rise above the world and above the worldly, they have to be people of prayer to constantly seek God and to have this obedience to God's word. Both of these are essential. And there has to be this balance of both these things. Both these things are key to a sin in prayer and around God's word. And both of them are inseparable. Not prayer or the word. Not prayer in place of the word. Not the word in place of prayer. But prayer and the word. Not prayer minus the word, but prayer with the word. So it's not the word only or prayer only. It's both. Both are essential to live the higher life pleasing to God. The worldly life without God is a life without prayer. And it's also a life without the words. The child of God must never be like that. He must never be prayerless. And he must never neglect the word of God. So talking to God and listening to God in his most holy and sacred presence are the fundamentals of living the higher life. And that's the lesson that we want to commence this new year with. Cry to God with your heart and keep his word with your heart. You see that he commences with prayer, I cried with my whole heart. Notice how he ends this section in verse 152. In each room you, you have to always compare the first verse and the last verse. The door you go in and the door you go out. And he comes in he's crying with his whole heart. And as he goes out he's saying concerning thy testimonies I have known of old that thou hast founded them Forever. So he's a man of prayer. And he's a man of the word. I've known of old. Your testimonies. You've founded them forever. And so this is constant to write the whole psalm. But it is particularly noticeable in this section. And so this is the lesson for today. Crying to God. And obeying his word. Crying to God, then, first of all, you see that prayer here is more than words. It's not just words. Now, of course, prayer is vocal. It's not always vocal, but it's mainly vocal. But prayer is essentially a cry. And David uses this verb to cry. This is the verb that begins with cough. It's the first word. I cry. You can't ascend. You can't rise higher. You can't go above that base level. Unless you cry. Unto the Lord. I cried unto the Lord. We have to cry unto the Lord. And it's heart crying. The Hebrews, they took the organs of the body and they attributed to the organs of the body certain things in the human soul and this heart is the very centre of our being the very core of us the the very life of us and whenever David says I cried with my heart he says I cried with my whole being with my innermost soul In other words, prayer is sincere. It's sincere. It's coming into the presence of God and being conscious of his presence, which we must always do when we pray. We must first of all settle ourselves and realize we are in the presence of God and allow nothing to distract us and we must then pour out our heart, like Hannah poured out our heart before the Lord and so many in the Bible that we read of, prayer is crying unto God, not just out of the heart, but with the whole heart. The whole heart. And that's why we do not attain unto holiness the way we ought. Because we're not wholehearted about it. We say our prayers, we go through the form, we act the monkey, we do the mimicking and the imitating, we have our wee forms, But it's not just mimicking a Christian. It has to be with the whole heart. May God give us whole hearts after him. The monkey can fold his hands and bow his head. But he has no heart. But David is saying, I'm not a monkey. I'm made in your image, O God. And with my whole heart I cry unto thee. And that's what God wants. He wants the heart engaged. Even when there are no words, the heart can cry. Remember how God had to condemn Israel and Judah and say, they have not turned unto me with the whole heart, but failedly, They have just prayed, they've just pretended, they've just gone through their form, but not with their whole heart. And the same prophet in the word of God said, ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with your whole heart, with your heart. And so David is careful to engage his heart in this business. Wholehearted crying. Wholehearted confession of sin. Wholehearted asking God's mercy. Wholehearted longing for grace. Longing for the Holy Spirit. Wholeheartedness. And what does a man who wants to ascend the hill of the Lord and to rise above the, the dung, what does he cry for? With his whole heart, he repeats the word again in verse one hundred and forty-six. Cough, I cry. He he repeats words very often throughout this section, and here it is again. I cried unto thee, save me. Always crying unto the Lord, not crying unto man, not looking to man. But coming before God, this whole Psalm 119 is in the presence of the Lord, apart from the opening preface. And he's constantly talking to God. Unto thee I cried. And I cried, save me. He cries for salvation, for deliverance. For deliverance from his sins. For deliverance from his coldness of heart for deliverance from his state that he's got bogged down in whereby he's making no progress with God he's looking delivered from it, save me the sinner is one who's in the pit and sometimes the saint is in the pit in the dung dunghill, sometimes he's living the lower form he's below the line like the ladder But he says, Lord, save me. Lift me up. Raise me out of the pit. Raise me out of this dunghill. A monkey can't pray like that. The saint of God cries like that. And that's how the sinner finds salvation too, isn't it? Isn't this the first cry the sinner has to pray with his whole heart? And the sin, in the dunghill, doesn't he have to say, Save me? And if you're not saved, that's how you have to start this new year. Lord, save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Save me from Satan. Save me from the darkness of Satan. Save me from the chains of Satan. Save me from the bondage of sin. That's the best way to start the new year. To say Lord save me. Seeking God's salvation. And the Christian has to daily say save me. Seeking the sanctifying grace of God. Only the Lord can make us to live the higher life. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying. Always praying. As I'm onward bound. Lord plant my feet on higher ground. Above the land, Ascending into the hill of the Lord. Lord lift me up. And let me stand. By faith. Even on heaven's table land. A higher plane. Than I have found thus far. Lord plant my feet. On higher ground. In verse 147. We see how earnest he is in this business of crying unto God. I prevented the dawning of the morning. And cried. Here it is again. Again. The man made in the image of God is crying unto God so earnestly that he says, I prevented the dawning of the morning. He's telling us when he prayed and cried. The first word here is prevented. It's the word that begins with the letter cough. He repeats it again in 148. My knees prevent. The first word again. You see how he's repeating the words? I cry. Prevent. Prevented in my earnestness. Prevented in my sincerity. To endeavor to holiness and unto God. He is earnest. Remember, this is the man who doesn't want to gravel in the world. He wants to be a man of God. He wants to rise to godly disciplines in his life. And he gets this other word beginning with cough. The word prevent means to proceed, to go before. I went before the dawning of the morning. What does that mean? It means I arose before the light. It means I got up before the sun. Before the day dawn. I arose to cry unto God. In the early morning. At the start of the day. Before any other business can crowd in. While his mind is most fresh. Having awakened out of. We trust a good night's sleep. The best part of the day. Before the distractions, he rises before the sun. This is not animal-like behavior. This is spiritual discipline. This is seeking the Lord. And he who seeks God early finds him. And also has the best possible footing of all for the day that is ahead. In this discipline he will find grace for all that lies ahead that day. The psalmist said, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. He is imitating Christ. And the Bible tells us what Christ did. Mark 1 verse 35. Rising up a great while before day. You see, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Psalms. Jesus lived the Psalms. Jesus is the life of the Psalms. Jesus has the Psalter in him. Controlling him, flowing through him. And he fulfills it in every possible way. And he prevented the dawning of the morning. Rising up a great while before day. He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And in verse 149, he calls his prayer his voice. Here's a new word now. Up to this point, it has been cried. I've cried. But now he talks about his voice. Hear my voice. The voice is vocal. The voice is that which gives the words. And we have to form words. And we have to talk to the Lord. It's not just wordless crying. Though sometimes it is that. But most often it is word crying. He speaks to God. He has converse with the Lord. He has logical conversation. Communion with God. His voice, hear my voice, confessing his particular sins, giving God particular praise, minding God of particular promises, making specific requests, my voice. But notice it's not slavish praying. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. He's not talking to God in dread. He's not coming before one who he is terrified of and afraid to come into the presence of. But he knows that God is loving and kind and gracious and wants us to talk to him, wants us to pray to him, wants us to commune with him. According to thy kindness, hear my voice, Lord. Our Savior has taught us to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, our prayer is to not have this slavish dread. We don't come in like a timid dog, trembling and terrified, an animal who doesn't know what kind of mood his master's in. No, we come as those who are made in the image of God and redeemed by grace into the presence of a loving heavenly Father to whom we ought to be able to say without dread, Father. According to thy loving kindness. And so the atmosphere is one of love and mercy. He is conscious that he prays at a throne of grace. He's also very conscious of God's presence because he says there in verse 151, Thou art near, O Lord. How wonderful it is to know that God is near. And what, whenever you're praying, you have settled yourself in His presence and you know that He's near. Thou art near, O Lord. And that's how the believer ought to think. And in Christ, we have been made nigh to God. We've been brought near, made nigh by the blood. And the Bible tells us, let us draw near. And when we draw near, God is near, He's not afar off. We're drawing to one who is already near, nearer than the nearest friend. The Lord is near unto all them that call upon Him in truth. And to live the higher life, we have to constantly be able to say that, Thou art near. When you know God is near, then you don't sin. You don't gravel in the dung. You get sincere words. You don't annoy him with mundane, foolish, wicked, devilish things. But the needful. One thing is needful. When you're in the presence of God, you learn to know what is needful. The verb to draw near occurs in verse 150. The words that begin with cuff. Near. Draw nigh. Verse 150 and 151. Do you see how he repeats these, these words? You see, God is near. But God is not the only one who is near. There are other things that are near as well. They draw near that follow after mischief. The wicked trouble us sometimes. There are things that harm us and hurt us that are often near. Trials are near. Hardships are near. Sins are near. Temptations are near. They draw nearer that follow after mischief. They get close to my life. They can pour into my heart. But we have to remind ourselves. Thou art nearer. Thou art nearer, O Lord, than these things. Thou art nearer than the mischievous ones. Thou art nearer than my sins. Thou art nearer than my trials. Thou art nearer. And God is nearer than all things. God's ear is nearer than the mouth of the wicked. And he's a very present help in trouble. Our refuge and strength. So near, he knows our down and our uprising. And so he's the man who cries to this near God for deliverance from all these other near things from Satan. But then also the man of God desires to be holy like the Lord. Not only prays and cries with his voice for grace. But he endeavors through grace to keep God's word. You cannot be holy without keeping God's word. His commandments. You cannot be spiritual walking close to the Lord. If you walk a path of disobedience to his word. And the psalmist knows this. This other spiritual discipline is essential in his life as well. That he keep God's commandments. The healthy Christian is a man of God's word. Keeping his commandments. I will keep thy statutes. Verse 145. He says, you see, God's word has to be fundamental in your life, child of God. It's essential. It is the well of life to you. It is what the Holy Spirit uses and accompanies. It is what sanctifies you. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so this whole psalm reminds us that David is a man of the word, that he comes into the closet And he prays and he cries with his voice. But he never does so without the Bible. And this section especially shows us that. He's earnest in prayer. But he's also earnest in the word of God. He keeps God's word. Verse 145. I will keep thy statutes. He cries to God first. Because he can only keep them through God's grace. But that's what he desires. He repents. And he wants grace to keep the word. And he resolves in his sincere repentance to keep the word. I cried unto thee, save me. And, and then, I shall keep thy testimonies. So he he resolves to obey God, to truly follow the Lord. You see, it's not enough, brethren and sisters, to merely mimic Christians. The worlding can say prayers. The worlding can carry the Bible. He can even read the Bible. But only the man of God can with his whole heart cry unto God and keep the Word. And so to truly be like the Lord, we have to do God's bidding. To keep is to obey, to practice, to walk in His Word. He doesn't only keep God's word. You'll see there in verse 147, he hopes in God's word. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. Do you see how he has the word in the closet with him? He's got up before the rising of the sun and he goes into the closet to seek God and what has he got with him? He's got the word, I hoped in thy word. He's a man of the book. His earnest devotions give proper place to the Word. Verse 148. My eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy Word. He has the Bible in his closet and he spends time with it. He precedes the light and he stays awake at night not just to pray but to meditate. Meditation is prayer. In and around the word. And so he uses the word to fuel his prayers. He uses the word to make the promises. That he pleads in his prayers. And he finds answers to prayer in the word. And he prays according to the word. Because he says there at verse 149. O Lord quicken me according to thy judgment. According to your word. According to your will. He's pleading the promises and he's pleading the will of God. And that's another way we ought to pray. Let this come pass for me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. According to your will, Lord. Whatever it is that you please. And then verse 150. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Do you see how he plays here on near and far and drawing near and distance? He wants God's law near to him. He realizes that the mischievous are near to him. And those who are near to him in their mischief, they are far from the word, you see. If you're mischievous, you're far from the word, you're far from God's law. If you have a nature of malice, a nature of hurt and bitterness, a nature of unforgiving vengeance, you're far, far from the law, far from the word. And David doesn't want to be far from the Lord, and he doesn't want to be far from the word. He doesn't want to be like the mischievous person. He wants to be near to the word. Near to God, David wants the opposite of the wicked. the wicked want a word afar off, they do want the preaching, they do want the scriptures far off, they do want the Lord afar off, but the child of God wants the Lord and he wants the word nearer, nearer, still nearer, my God to thee, nearer, still, nearer thy word to my heart. Nearer, nearer still. God never is near, but that His Word is with Him, and you can't have the Lord near and His Word far. And so he has this conviction concerning the, the essential nearness of the Word in his life, and all thy commandments are truth. He has this conviction of their fearfulness and their truthfulness. And then he says in verse 152, concerning thy testimonies, I have of old known that thou hast founded them forever. He brings in a new word here that begins with cough. It is the word old. Old is the first word in the Hebrew. Of old, your testimonies. I have known that thou hast founded them forever. From the beginning. From ancient times. From olden times. From the time I started to be a believer of old. I have known, I've had this certainty. I've had this assurance that your word is founded forever. That your word is a foundation But your word is settled forever. And so he has this conviction of the word of God. So you see how these two disciplines are so vital in his life? And that's what I've tried to get across to you this morning. For the year that is ahead, these two keys to the higher life, constantly crying unto God, being sincere and honest with your whole heart, Sincere repentance and confession. Constantly coming to the word. Living in the word. That the word may slay all your sins. And all these other things that cling to us and hang about us. And drag us down and drag us lower and drag us down below the line. How the word needs to be near to, to cut them off and to Slay them and to drive them away. And so let us with patience run the race that is before us. Laying aside every weight. And that sin also that easily detains us. Looking unto Jesus and crying unto him. That his grace may never leave us.